Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey everybody, what's up? This is Andy Arnott and Amy Weiss, and this is Seller Roundtable number nine. And today we are blessed to have Nathan Hirsch from FreeUp. And uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, virtual assistants, uh, what they are, why you need them, all those kinds of great things. As usual, um, you know, in this live format, what's really cool about this is, you know, we can take questions as we're going. So if you guys have any questions, um, feel free to drop them in the comments. We'll also try to drop, uh, you know, like anything we talk about in the comments. Amy's usually pretty awesome at that. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, without further ado, let's, let's get started. Um, welcome, Nathan. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Cool. Yeah. All right. So let's get a little bit of background about you. Uh, tell us like where you're born, uh, where you live now, kind of your past jobs, college, school, just kind of like, you know, your life leading up to where, you know, where you, where you are now. Yeah. So I grew up in Massachusetts. My parents were both teachers. So I grew up with the mentality that I was going to go to school, get a real job, work for 40 years and retire. And but I, so my dad was the high school teacher at the town next to me. And so I went to, got to go to school there. They had a better school system. And when I got there, I realized, wow, everyone's parents, so doctors, lawyers, dentists, business owners. And I wasn't poor, but I, I was middle-class. My parents were teachers and they had everything. So it was never more evident during my summers when I, I turned 15, 16, 17, and I was inside working 40 hour week, 50 hour week jobs. And all my friends were outside playing, enjoying the summer. So I learned a ton about sales, about customer service, about managing people. But I also learned that I did not want to work for other people. And when I got to college, I kind of looked at it as a ticking, ticking clock. I had four years to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and to start my own business, or I was going to get thrown into the real work world working for someone else. And, and that was going to be it. So I started buying and selling people's textbooks to, to make some side money. I created a little referral program. Before I knew it, I had lines out the door of people trying to sell me their books to the point where I actually got a cease and desist letter um, from my college telling me to knock it off. So that was my, my first glimpse into being an entrepreneur. And that led me to trying other things. I knew I couldn't sell books much longer. So I had sold a little bit on Amazon and this was 2008. And I started experimenting with cool products, with uh, outdoor sporting equipment and DVDs, video games, stuff that a, a typical college guy is into. And I just failed over and over. For whatever reason, I could only get these books to sell. And it wasn't until I branched out of my comfort zone, really throwing everything against the wall, that I found the baby product industry. So if you can imagine me as a 20 year old single college guy selling <laughs> baby products on Amazon, that was me and that business took off. It was drop shipping years before I even knew it was called drop shipping. That word didn't exist. And I sold millions of dollars of baby products on Amazon. And that eventually, that was my first job besides these internships. So I always tell people I've never really had a real job. Um, when I graduated, I turned down a bunch of job offers to, to run my Amazon business. So that, that's kind of how I got started and went from a, a broke college kid to starting my first business. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. The, the, the backstory is like some of my favorite stuff. Like at, at some point, uh, at some point, I'm going to, uh, I'll go into like the stuff that I did when, when I was in college, but uh, Amy's looking at me like, uh oh, <laughs> or no, maybe she's just frozen. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I'm I, totally I, frozen. You are. 
you're you're fro you're frozen in 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 multiple ways. <laughs> yeah, I look so upset. Look at me. I'm you like do. you do. You look angry. You look like you, you look like I just like you know like like called your cat stupid or something. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'll start it over. All there right. it is. There it is. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I love hearing those backstories because yeah, I started my uh, you know my journey in college being an entrepreneur as well. It just took me a lot longer longer to be successful. But I always see it as a blessing because, uh, you know, it took me, I, I have, I put so much stuff in my back pocket on like, you know, different, different ways of doing things that now I like, you know, I, I have so many different uh, skill sets. So uh, I love hearing that backstory. Um, yeah. And just lots of lessons. I mean, you fail so much when you're a young entrepreneur, but I'm so happy I learned those lessons when I was like 20 to 24, rather than learning them now where people actually depend on you and you have responsibilities, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. So, um, so we kind of got, you know, uh, well, how'd you like hear about Amazon? Like what led you to, like you said that you were, you were in college and so did you just hear that like people were being successful on Amazon or like what, what drew you to that, 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 uh, kind of that first, uh, you know, baby, baby products, uh, thing. Yeah. I mean, back then there were no gurus, there were no courses there. No one was talking about Amazon. No one knew what it was. It was pretty much a, a big bookstore that was just beginning to sell other products. So I got into Amazon because I was selling books to all these different bookstore companies. And I found Amazon as I was Googling books and I started selling them books. And then it's like, okay, you can create this seller account that was open 24 seven and you could post products. And whenever they sold, you had two days to ship them or whatever it was. And, and that was pretty much it. I mean, that's, that's how I got into it. And then once I got the cease and desist letter from my college, I, I kind of like, all right, I can't sell books much longer. Let's figure out what else I can sell. And, I have this Amazon account and I just started experimenting. Yeah. I think that uh, if you, if you, ha if you don't get a cease and desist letter, like early on, then you're doing something wrong. <laughs> exactly. I got one of the, we got one of those early in our Amazon career as well, but uh, uh, the settlement is sealed. So I can't talk about it. But, uh, yeah. I got one of those fun cease and desist letters too. But uh, what, what's funny about that is, you know, when you get one of those things, especially when you're first starting out, you're like terrified of it. Um, but, uh, you know, nowadays it's just like, you know, I, I mean, I'm not still don't want those of course, but at least now I feel like I'm a little bit more prepared, um, you know, of all that, uh, on all that good stuff. Exactly. Um, so you, you kind of talked about, uh, you know, what you did before Amazon. Um, what, what, uh, personal challenges did you have? Like when you're first starting out, like what were some big hurdles that, um, that you had to kind of get through when you were first starting your Amazon business? Sure. So I, I'm making all this money and I decide, all right, I should probably start paying taxes. Right. So I meet with an accountant and the first thing he asked me is when are you going to hire your first person? And I kind of, I tell him, why would I do that? That's money out of my pocket. I, I got to teach them. They're, they're going to steal my ideas. They're going to hurt my business. Endless excuses, classic entrepreneur. And he just laughed in my face and said, you're going to learn this lesson on your own. So my first fourth quarter comes around. I don't know what fourth quarter is. There's no one preparing me for busy season. And I just get destroyed. I'm, I'm working 20 hours a day. My grades plummet. My social life gone. And I work nonstop to just survive until January. Um, everything on the line. And I make it through to January. And I think to myself, man, I, I can never let that happen again. I, I need to start hiring people. So I post a job on Facebook because I'm a college kid. It's what, it's what I do. And I, this guy in my business law class responds to me and he says, hey, I, I don't know what you do, but I need a job. And I barely interview him. I hire him. Ends up incredible. He's a hard worker. He learns fast. He makes me more money. He makes my job easier. I'm less stressed out. 
he ends up being my business partner. His name's Connor with my Amazon business. He owns part of FreeUp. He, he does a lot more of the back end stuff there. Um, and, and so there I am thinking, man, hiring is easy. You post a job on Facebook, someone shows up and your life becomes easier. And I just proceed to make bad hire after bad hire after bad hire and quickly learn that college kids, not very reliable and no 30 year old expert really wanted to, to work for me, be, me being 22. And that's kind of how I got thrown into the remote hiring world, the, the virtual assistants, the freelancers, and, and how I developed the concept of free up, which we can talk about later, of just a faster way to hire. Um, but that was really it. I mean, once you, when you're running the drop shipping business model, there's just so much to do. You're doing customer service, listings. There was no repricing software back then. So we were changing the price on every single listing going down and, and all that manual work. And, and how do you do it? And how do you become scalable? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's crazy to get uh, that, you know, when, you, when you're first starting out, you feel so overwhelmed. Um, and that's interesting that even at that, you know, that early on that you kind of thought about uh, hiring out, you know, like that didn't occur to me until like years after starting, um, you know, my Amazon business. Um, I can remember, um, like, I think it was our first Christmas or might've been our second, I can't remember, but I literally remember sitting on like our dining room table and some people in here might relate <laughs> sitting on our dining room table. It was my, myself, my uh, mother-in-law and my wife, and we had 600 orders and they were, uh, this was before I think we even started, um, FBA. So we were sitting there stuffing envelopes. I think we stuffed envelopes for like, or stuffed packages. I think we did it for like I think it took us like four hours or, I mean, and the mailman, like the, literally the mailman's face when he showed up to pick up mail that day was just like, he was just like, Oh God, like you guys are killing me. He did not like us. I ended up bribing him with some crown Royal and he was pretty happy with us. That. But um, yeah, everybody has those kind of those, those crazy challenges. Amy, what about you? Did you have some crazy stuff when you first started out? I'm sure you did. You know, I have been an employee most of, you know, I just left government work in October. So after 20 years of working for someone else and before I joined the military, I worked in many corporate jobs and everything else. So I've done, you know, many different careers in my lifetime um, and many different jobs. And so for me, when I started, when my business started getting like crazy, I was like, okay, I need help. You know, I can't offer these services in quality if I don't get help. So I started hiring it out. But the problem was I didn't do a good job of identifying my processes. And I would, for example, like I started hiring photographers because I already have a really great formula for photography and everything like that. Well, I started hiring photographers and you have to train them. They don't necessarily understand like what you're looking for. And, you know, so and I would spend so much time training one and then they wouldn't work out. And I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm over this. So then I, of course I can, I'm, I'm kind of like Nathan where I stayed with my, my one true one where, you know, she's just doing such a great job. And, but at the same time she gets overwhelmed and she isn't always, you know, available to do it. So Either way, like, you know, I've hired listing optimization people, but at the same time, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm one of those S's in the cash flow quadrant, right? Like I own my job and I can't outsource it. Like I just get so, you know, there's certain things. So for me, it's just about, it's about taking the time to define my processes and understand expectations and communicate those to my employees or freelancers. And once I figured that out, 
it's so smooth because I'm just like, oh man, okay, I'm gonna send this to this guy, send this to my photographer, and it's super fast and super easy, and um, and it's been nothing but growth for my business. But until I could figure that out, oh my gosh, it was a pain. Yeah, and you got to be careful too. I, a lot of entrepreneurs fall into the trap that I fell into, where hiring's hard. You make some bad hires, and, and you finally find someone you like. So what do you do? You load them up with, with everything. Yes. Your, your business in this such a risky state. I did that where I said, okay, I'll hire a manager of the day. I'll teach him how to do emails and listings and everything. And I spent six months teaching this person and short term, it was fantastic. I, I slept better at night. I was less stressed out. My business was booming and I went to take a vacation. And on the first day of my vacation, he quit on me. Six months of training down the drain, vacation ruined. And it was just a, a very valuable lesson in diversification and departmentalization and just making sure, okay, one team for a listing, one team for customer service, and wouldn't be the last person that quit on me. But when it happens, it's, it's not that big of a deal. You plug someone in there and you keep moving on with your business. But that kind of stuff can set you back months. So Nathan, like what, uh, like in, in your business, like when, like what was the point? Like when did you realize that you, you needed help or like, you know, what, 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 at what point do you feel like people should, should reach out and start, um, you know, getting outside help. Yeah. So I, I mean, for me, it was that, that situation that I told you where that first busy season, I just had no life and I was miserable and it kind of ruined that, that college semester for me. Uh, but for the average person, I recommend creating two lists. Actually, let me back up. I recommend setting a budget, figure out how much that you, you actually make um, on a, per month. So you know the numbers and then figure out how aggressive you want to be in your business. If you want to be crazy aggressive, invest 40 to 60% back in your business. If you want to be more conservative, maybe it's 10 to 30%. Whatever that number is, you have to understand it. Because the last thing you want to do is start hiring people and investing your, not just your money, but your time and then realize, oh, I can't afford them. And then you start all over again and figure out what you want that investment to be. And then instead of thinking about, okay, what, what, what is the first hire? Which a lot of people are like, oh, what's the first hire for an Amazon business? Figure out what makes sense for your business. And it's, it's going to be one of two things. And I recommend creating a list of, of everything you do on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis and figuring out how many hours you're spending on all these tasks and maybe prioritize it either by hours or by easiest to hardest and figure out how do I get hours in my week back? What would I do with an extra 10 hours a week, 20 hours a week? Or on the flip side, and one of the best activities my business partner Connor and I did was we, we sat out there on a balcony and we said, you're bad at this. <laughs> and we wrote it down and it hurt a little bit. But at the end, we had this list of, of all these things that we were not good at, but we were doing them every single week. So you can hire people to turn those weaknesses into strengths. And that's where you, you kind of have to see where you're at as an entrepreneur. Are you just overwhelmed with the same stuff every single day that you know how to do? Or are all these projects just building up that, that you're not good at? And that'll give you a pretty good direction on who your first hire should be and when the right time to hire is. Yeah, that's a really good point. I like that. Um, you know, if you're a solo entrepreneur, which I am, you know, a ma- uh, majority of my uh, staff uh, is all virtual. So if you don't have a partner uh, like Nathan does, who can rip you apart, rip yourself apart, you know, just be honest with yourself. But that's a great suggestion is just, you know, start writing a list of like, you know, you say, hey, I suck at PVC or hey, I suck at, you know, this or that, um, you know, make a list and, and, and come up with, you know, the things that you can offload uh, from your business that are going to help you concentrate on the important things. Like if you're, if you're super good at sourcing or man, you know, the, the ideal thing in which I've started to learn is, 
you know, if you're a, if you're a manager, if you're good, if you can manage people really well, I would say probably bar none, that would probably be the best skill to have. If you're, if you're good people person and you're really good at managing people, I'd say you're probably ahead of most people. But, um, if not, then that's where you, you know, start picking yourself apart, like you said, and, and, and start outsourcing the stuff that, uh, that, that you're not good at. Um, yeah, sweet. Amy, anything to add to that? I, I just think I would just put in the chat that I think that that information that you gave us was really gold, uh, Nathan. I loved what you talked about as far as deciding how much you're <laughs> going to reinvest into your business. Um, and so that you can go, okay, if that number is $500 a month, that gives you an idea. And now you can go, okay, this is how much, you know, I can focus on. All right. These are the tasks that if I could just hire this out, I got this process down. If I could just hire this out, um, I know I could easily train it and easily hold somebody accountable for it. And it would buy me back this many hours. And how much money could I then gain with that time spent versus how much I'm spending of that $500 of reinvestment or whatever that percentage is. And I, I love that that perspective on it, making sure that you can afford it and thinking about the percentage that you're going to reinvest back in your business is a great way to do that. For sure. And I think another thing that, that people kind of go astray is I, I like to think of, of people in three different types of people that you can hire. You've got basic level, that non-US, five to $10 an hour. When you think of virtual assistant, they might have years of experience, but at the end of the day, they're followers. They're, they're for that list one, for systems and processes you already have. Then you got the mid-level, that 10 to 30 range, the bookkeepers, graphic designers, they write Amazon listings. They, they do the same thing 10 hours a day. And you're not teaching a graphic designer how to be a graphic designer. You can tweak what they do to fit your needs, but they're also not consulting with you either. They're doers. And then you got the experts, the 20 and up that can consult, project manage, execute high-level game plans. They're a high-level freelancer, consultant, an agency. And, and yes, you could spend the next six months learning how to do Amazon PPC, or you can hire an expert to come in and hit the ground running right away. And, and the mid-level and the expert level kind of fall into that list too of what are you not good at or, and what can you take off your plate there? So if you think of it in that mentality, you avoid a lot of the common mistakes like hiring someone for five bucks an hour to, and saying, hey, go run my PPC, um, which a lot of people make. Yep, I agree. I think that's, that, that's one thing that, you know, once people realize that, that uh, it's kind of the same thing that I figured out for, uh, for seller SEO is like, you know, I was trying to like go cheap and, you know, like, you know, hire the cheapest person and stuff like that. But then, like you said, once you realize um, and the same thing with like developers and things like that, it's like the, you get what you pay for. Sometimes uh, like I have this one guy um, that's my, my most expensive guy. He's in Turkey actually. And um, that guy, like he can get stuff done in two days. It takes my other guys like a week, two weeks, a month, you know, cause he's just so smart and can just whip stuff out so quickly. Um, so that's part of the thing where like, when, you know, when you're outsourcing, don't necessarily, I mean, um, if you've got like, uh, like Nathan said, like something that's systematized, it's repetitive, that's like data entry, stuff like that, that definitely, you know, you want, you, you don't need somebody high, high, high price for that. But if you go for, uh, you know, if you're going for somebody who, who you really want to be hands off and kind of give them like, Hey, I have this vision, go execute it. Then that's where you want to step into like the, the higher echelon, um, type people. Nathan, give me a, like a quick rundown of like, like what are maybe like the five or 10 most popular, um, tasks that people like to outsource, at least on the free app platform. 
yeah, um, writing listings, PPC campaigns, graph design, um, any kind of virtual assistant or, or customer service work. Um, and, and then the other stuff might fall into more just generic business operations, whether it's bookkeeping or maybe it's just outside social media or driving external traffic. Those are probably the most common, but I mean, you can have VAs that do uh, reimbursements or um, do a different kind of like going through reviews and marking the bad ones or different things out there. I mean, you can get really creative and try different things, um, but those are probably the basic ones. Okay. Cool. Um, what, uh, what do you think is the best way to train a virtual assistant? Like, uh, do you think like somebody should have systems in place? Um, do you think I've heard a lot of people, which, uh, this is what we're starting to go to is you do screen captures and then you, you give that to them and you say, Hey, write the system from the screen capture. That way it kind of makes them really understand, uh, the content that they just viewed. Um, you know, what, what are your suggestions on, on how to, how to train a VA uh, effectively? Yeah. So I actually stay away from video. I'm kind of in the mentality that I'm a startup. My processes and systems are always improving, always changing. And I'm just going to find myself making new videos all the time. So I prefer documents that can be quickly updated. And once I have someone ready to go, I actually make it their responsibility to keep the documents updated at all times. And I'll check in on them and make sure they're actually doing it. So here's my strategy. I want to value my time at the highest possible level. I can always make more money. I can't get time back. So before I invest time into someone, I want to make sure they really understand it. So I've got about 50 pages of training documents to be my assistant. Being my assistant is tough and you don't need 50 pages. You can have one page or five page, whatever it is for you. And what I'll do is I'll hire them and I'll have them read through the document. And me and my team were there to support them. If they have any questions, if they want us to explain something, we're there. But for that first week, week and a half, all they're doing is reading that document and asking questions and we'll pay them for their time. At the end of that week and a half, we're going to test them. And one of two things is going to happen. Either they don't understand it and I'm not rude. I'm not angry. I pay them for their time. I part ways or they do understand it. And then I can get them that, let's say they understand 80%. I can get them that last 20%. And only once I know that they have a good grasp of it, then do I invest my time or my team's time. And that's a strategy that's worked very well. It helps you eliminate that, that situation where you're three weeks into working with someone and you're like, oh, wow, that's not a good fit. And then you're really just, you just lost that three weeks of time. Right. Cool. So um, how do you keep track of, of VA's output and work performance? I know you, could, you kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, and then how do you keep them accountable? Um, do you have any, like, you know, kind of, uh, what are you using any systems? Like what, what are you doing to, uh, you know, keep them in check and make sure they're, they're producing? Yeah. So I'm not a big fan of, of Hubstaff time doctor. I mean, we, we partner with them some clients use them, but I don't personally use them. Um, I just have too many people. I don't have time to view their screens. If, if there's ever a situation where I was questioning someone, I'd make them do it. But to be honest, that that's never happened. I have them send daily updates and, and I look at whatever the tasks are. And I mean, it doesn't take you very long to figure out whether someone's accomplishing something or not. I mean, if it's project based, you have a 15 page website, you set milestones. Hey, two pages should be done by this time. If it's more of, Hey, you're working for me as a VA eight hours a day, send me what your output is at the end of every day. And, and let's kind of go through it that way. For me, I, I'd much rather have someone, let's say steal a few hours for a few days and then I fire them because I'm going to quickly catch it than for me to go through 40 people's screens every single day. I just don't have time to do that. So that's kind of my mentality. 
I also have Skype group chats where people post when they start and when they stop. And even if someone's flexible time, they still post when they start, when they stop with updates. So you can, you can be as, as controlling or as uncontrolling as you want. I, I like to be more controlling up front. And as I build the relationship, um, then, then I kind of back off and give people more flexibility. And I have a VA that's worked with me for eight years and I'm the godfather of one of her kids. And I never really check in with her except for when we have meetings and she crushes it. So I, that's kind of my mentality. Cool. Interesting. Um, so um, what do you, uh, you were, you were kind of talking about like, you know, setting milestones and things like that. Like, um, like when do you know to cut somebody loose? Like, you know, you, you, like you said, you're giving them the trial tasks or you're, you know, you're giving them milestones and, and they're not hitting them or, you know, what, what kind of, where do you think, um, you know, where do you draw the line and say, Hey, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. So I try to eliminate the, the personal side of it. It, it. It's all business. And again, I want to look at it as an investment. And the number one question is how much have I actually invested into this person and not, not just money, but time. If, if I'm just starting with someone and they're not hitting deadlines or not communicating, maybe I'm giving them feedback or taking it personally, which, which shows they don't have the attitude I'm looking for. And we can kind of talk about my attitude of skill or my triangle of skill, attitude and communication later. But if they're showing those red flags early and I haven't invested much time into them, they're out. I'm not going to take that risk. There's always a chance they turn it around, but the percentages say otherwise. Now, if I've invested six months into someone and then all of a sudden their, their work starts to go downhill, I'm going to meet with them. I'm going to say, Hey man, like what's going on? Here's some brutally honest feedback. I want to know if I can get to the bottom of it. I'm going to pause all work. I'm going to, take a step back, reset expectations, make sure we're on the same page. And if we can't leave a meeting 100% on the same page, then I'm going to cut ties with them. But normally you can. And then from there, either they're going to take off and get back on track, or I'm going to hire someone else and I'm going to slowly start taking stuff off their plate. And one of two things is going to happen again. Either they're gonna, that light bulb is going to go off that, hey, I'm losing work and they turn it around or eventually they're not as, as uh you're not as reliant, your business isn't as reliant on them anymore because you've slowly taken everything off their plate. So that's kind of my mentality. And obviously every situation is a little different and it's case by case. But for me, I'm looking at how much did I actually invest into this person? And that's going to tell me how much leeway I give them. And I, I completely agree with that. The problem that I've had in the past is that, you know, I agree with in the beginning when you haven't invested much time and effort that it's easy to like let someone go. But, um, and I like your, your triangle of skill, attitude and commitment and what you do upfront. That's really awesome. Um, but I think what a lot of people struggle with is, okay. Um, you know, this person is doing great work and then all of a sudden they quit on me or they're giving their time to somebody else during work hours for me. And you find that out later and you're very frustrated. Or for example, you know, being a consultant, I'll look at people's PPC campaigns and they have hired a supposed expert. And um, these are not good numbers. They're not good metrics. And so they're paying top dollar for this, for that high level expert and because of their, you know, maybe it's something they're not good at, right? So you want to hire it out, but then they find out, oh, wow, you know, this, I'm, I paid for all this and I've lost all this money in advertising spend and this person actually doesn't know what they're doing. Um, so it's just, it's a tough, it's a tough balance. But my question for you, Nathan, would be, what are the things that the freelancers are telling you that are their frustrations? You know, what are we not doing right as employers? 
Yeah, right. And yeah, I kind of, I think the number one thing is like when you're dealing with a freelancer, I almost tell people like you're not an employer, you're a client and it's very different. It's got to be a much more collaboration than, than having a boss that's just talking down to you. And I think that's one of the things that the freelancers will say is like, especially, yeah, if you're dealing with the lower level freelancer, yeah, there's direction. But when you're dealing with a mid-level graphic designer that knows what they're doing, there's got to be that collaborative effort. And same thing with the experts. If, if, if you're hiring them with their 20 years of experience, or let's say it's PPC and they have three years of experience and they have this strategy that's working for 10 other clients and you come in and you're like, hey, use my strategy, then, then, then something wrong with that. So a lot of it comes down to using those different levels, having collaboration, and just setting those expectations up front. And the expectations are, are so important. If, you're, if you get on the same page with someone early and you've really laid it out black and white, it's very easy to tell once it starts getting off track even a little bit. And you can, even, even from a freelancer side, you can take a step back and be like, hey, listen, I'm pausing work. Like, let's have a meeting. Let's get back on the same page. This is what we talked about before. I, I have it in writing. And, and I encourage clients to do that same thing. I mean, we had a situation today, very good client, very good virtual assistant, not really on the same page for whatever reason. And we had a 10 minute meeting where it was like, hey, air your concerns. Hey, air your concerns. Let's, let's, let's reset expectations. Can we all agree to these things in writing? Let me know if, if, if anything there is not what we, what we want to be. They both agreed and you move forward. And I think a lot of people, they just keep going forward, keep going forward. And, and sometimes it can be the freelancers fault too, where they give an inch, they give another inch, they, and, and it just keeps going in that spiraling out of control direction. And you really just got to take that step back. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, no, that's good. That, that was really good. That was a lot. There's a, lo a lot of great feedback there. I'm, I'm probably gonna have to go back and rewatch this. <laughs> uh, cool. So, um, Nathan, uh, let's see, there was a question I should have wrote it down, of course, because uh, it, it, I'm now, uh, it's, 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 it's fleeted out of my head. Amy, do you have any more uh, follow up questions? I think you might be muted. <laughs> <laughs> Unmute. Okay. I'm actually looking at the list real quick. Oh, ah, here's a good one that somebody asked in my group. Um, should, how do you make the decision between hiring full-time or part-time? That's one question. And another one is being concerned about the language barrier. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I can only speak for the free up platform. If they don't speak English at a high level, they don't get a foot into our interview process. So there's always going to be culture differences and stuff like that. And after working with people in the Philippines for a while, I kind of have changed the way I talk to make sure everything's clear. Um, but you shouldn't be that, that far off, at least if you use our platform. Um, the, the second question was full-time versus part-time. So and this is what everyone always wants. And I probably deal with this a few times every week. Someone's like, oh, I'll hire you. I want to hire someone for 10 hours a week that can eventually move to full time, which sounds good in theory, but is that person really just going to wait around and keep their hours available until you're ready to increase their hours? So for you as a client, you just have to decide, one, do I need someone full time? Do I have the work for it? Two, can I afford it? And three, do I want to lock this person down for full time? Because if you're going to hire someone part time, you have to go in it with the mentality that this person might not be available to increase their hours later. Maybe they can. There's always that chance, but there's a good chance they can't. And you can always hire a second person or, and, and maybe later on their other client drops off and you can increase their hours. But if you're someone that's like, all right, I want to test the waters with this person, but I really need someone full time. 
that's a risky stance to put someone through your onboarding only to hope that they still have those available hours in two months. Yeah. And I, I've read in a couple of the outsourcing books I've been reading lately um, that sometimes it's much more profitable to hire a full-time so that they're fully dedicated because a lot of the part-times that you hire, they, they need to earn a full-time wage. So they're going to be taking on as much work as possible. And the issue that I had hiring part-times was that um, they'd say, oh yeah, my turnaround time on the listing is, you know, a couple hours and I can have it by the end of the week. And, um, and the end of the week would come and I'm messaging them going, Hey, I gave this to you at the beginning of the week. What's going on? I, you know, I have clients that I need to, you know, talk to and I still have to review this listing that you give me. Right. Um, and so it was a very frustrating process as far as hiring part-time. And I can see why a lot of these outsourcing books recommend to hire full-time if you can. Um, and then, but again, if you just have a small task and you're hiring very stovepiped, you know, you might not have a full-time job for them. So I guess it's uh, like you were saying, it's kind of a balance, you know, maybe you start part-time and then you lock them into full-time when you when your, your work increases and you're scaling your business and you're like, oh yeah, I want to lock them down uh, as a full-time employee. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that we struggled with a lot too is the fact that, <clears throat> especially from, um, uh, like Nathan was saying, people from the Philippines, um, they're very, um, at least this is my observation, might not be true in my observation, um, the skill sets are very narrow or they, or, or you should keep the skill sets very narrow. If you try to get like somebody who's like a do everything person, um, you're going to have a really hard time getting good results and also like keeping them, keeping them focused. Um, which does make it even a little bit harder to go the full time route because if you're like, Hey, I need somebody to manage my PVC, but you've only got, you know, you're just starting out, you got two campaigns that makes it, you know, pretty difficult. Um, so, you know, that, that is kind of a, um, a difficult thing to, to, to uh, navigate. Uh, any suggestions on that, Nathan? Yeah, I mean, it's very case by case. I mean, if you don't have a budget for hiring, I would kind of think of it more in terms of projects. Like what, what can I get these three listings optimized? Can I hire someone to do this graphic design project? And, and then it figure out, okay, do I need a customer service rep? Do I need them for two hours a day? All right, let's do it. And yeah, I mean, it really just depends on the person and where you're at in your business. I've had roles with that I thought were part-time and I hired someone. I was like, crap, I actually need them full-time and I've increased it and, and vice versa. I've had things where I've hired someone full-time and then I've split them between two teams because I only needed 20 hours a week. So there's a certain element of, of trial and error there. Everyone's trying to get that perfect hire in that perfect situation. It doesn't always work out that way. And to touch on Amy's point too about um, just like bad hires that, that in some way screw you over later. No one has a 100% hiring record that, that just doesn't exist. And you have to focus on the areas that you can control. I mean, it, there's so many things you can't control. Someone's dad dies or some personal issue and they quit on you or they get a better offer. Instead, focus on what you can control. How could you have done a better job finding someone, interviewing someone, setting expectations, creating a culture that people wanted to stay and motivating them? I mean, Focus on those things and figure out, hey, how do I get my hiring percentage from 30 to 40% to 70 to 95%? Because a lot of times that's the difference between success and failure. And if you're always focused on, wow, that one person that was a terrible hire, I never want to hire someone again, you're, you're really missing the, the point. I mean, you have to hire people if you want to scale and you just got to focus on what you can control and how to get that percentage as high as possible. 
So yeah. along that line, Nathan, um, that's so, that's so great to focus on yourself and your business. Um, but we had a question in the chat about, um, they asked, you shouldn't hire until you know enough to write out specific directions. So you were talking about your big document that you have, that you read it. Um, should that deter you from hiring? Well, no, I mentioned the three levels of people, the people, the basic, the mid and the expert. So, and keep in mind, these are real people. They don't always fit into perfect levels. We have, we have rock stars that are eight bucks an hour that, yeah, you can be kind of hands off or you can have them create it with you. But as a best practice, yeah, if you hire a basic level person, you should have some idea, some kind of instruction, some kind of system to have them follow. Um, and, and the mid level, you don't need a necessarily a, um, I mean, you should know what you want, but you don't need a, a training document. And for the expert level, you definitely don't. And th that's kind of my mentality. If, I, if I'm going to hire a basic level person, I have a system, I have a process in place, and I have my three-month rule where I try not to do anything longer than three months. The first month, I'm throwing stuff against the wall and, and seeing what works and what doesn't. The second month, I have a pretty good idea of what doesn't work, and, and I'm focusing on what's working. And the third month, I'm fine-tuning it with the goal of, at the end of the month, taking it off my plate. And that's more of that process person where the other two roles, you don't really need that. So can we talk a little bit about how we have two other questions in chat? And the next one is just in general, how do you find VAs? Like how do you, you know, may, and we could always say, how do you find the right VA? Because that's, that's a really a more in-depth question. But in general, um, you know, we know FreeUp is a great place to find VAs because you guys have already got them nice and categorized. And I went to FreeUp when I first needed to hire a VA because I didn't know anything about online jobs, uh, .ph, that kind of thing. I didn't know anything about that. So what I loved about FreeUp is, oh, okay, the skills are already here. All I have to do is read them and pick a category that I need help in. And I love the part where you said about the project base where, um, you know, think of it as a project at a time instead of like, okay, part time, you know, just let's just get this project done. And I know FreeUp allows that, but do you have any other tips in general about how to find VAs? Yeah. I mean, there's no shortage of competitors and they all have their, their pros and cons. I mean, you go to Upwork, they obviously have a much bigger software budget than our, than we do. They have a much more freelancer on the platform and virtual assistants that, that you can sort through. And if you go to Fiverr, they have listings that you can go through and, and there's so many different pros and cons. I mean, I, I built free up to have the pre vetting where we take one out of every hundred people. You've got the, um, the speed where we introduce people to you and you don't have to browse through people. The, 24 seven support in case you have the smallest issue and the no turnover guarantee where if they quit, we cover replacement costs. I always focus on that triangle, the skill, the attitude and the communication, no matter where you hire from. And, and with the skill, you don't necessarily need someone to be a 10 out of 10. I mean, you can be a five out of 10 or a three out of 10. What's important is that the person is honest about what they can and cannot do and that they're priced accordingly. The attitude, you want people who are passionate about what they do. If, if they're a bookkeeper and you hate bookkeeping, they, they should love bookkeeping as much as you love being an entrepreneur. They should be able to take feedback without taking it personally. They shouldn't get aggressive the second that something doesn't go their way. And, and with communication, I mean, we have 15 pages of communication best practices that they have to go through and memorize and get tested on. And that's stuff like responding within a business day and how do you handle emergencies and hitting due dates and getting on the same page early with scope and taking the responsibility there. So it, it, it really is that trifecta. It's very rare that you're, you're, you're sitting there two months later and you're saying, man, that person had the exact skills he said I had, he had. Um, their attitude is great. They communicated, but, but that was a terrible hire that, that usually doesn't happen. 
Yeah. So um, just to follow up on that real quick, um, just my own experience. So when I first started hiring VAs, what I've noticed or what I noticed uh, for myself, uh, which it will absolutely kill the experience and, and, and uh, make you think that, you know, uh, VAs don't work or whatever, is you don't plan it out. It's like you're the weakest link. Because when I first had my first VA hire, I brought her on board and she's like, all right, I'm ready to work. And I'm like, um, yeah, go do, uh, you know, I was like, I didn't know what to put her. I, I, I had, you know, nothing in place. So to me, if you're thinking about hiring a VA, the first thing I would do, um, I think somebody asked earlier, like, well, what if I'm not an expert in that? So some things that you can do is, is just, you know, uh, you know, Nathan said, like, if you're hiring somebody who's supposed to be an expert on that, they should know the ba the basics. Um, you know, so you should be able to set, you know, basic criteria, but, um, you know, you should, you should have a plan in place uh, written down that you can hand to them that say like, Hey, every, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I want you to optimize my PVC. I want you to run search term reports. So in other words, even if you're not an expert, um, you know, either go find a blog post that tells you how to optimize PVC to give yourself a, a general knowledge of it or watch a YouTube video or make them watch a YouTube video, even if you have to, but, um, make sure it's planned out so that when they, you know, when they start working, they hit the ground running and, and they're not sitting there twiddling their thumbs. I know that, um, when I had that happen, like those VAs just like, didn't perform and they ended up, you know, like losing interest and probably getting another job, just going away. Cause they get bored. They're like, I'm, you know, I'm sitting here doing nothing. So definitely pre-plan that. Um, and to switch gears, Nathan, I was going to ask you, um, what do you use? I know you mentioned Skype to communicate. Um, what, uh, what tools do you use to communicate? And then also like product manage, like, do you use, um, you know, Trello or like our favorite is Airtable? Like, what are you using to manage people and keep people, um, organized? Yeah. So I try to practice what I preach and I keep it as simple as possible. I have 50 remote people that are doing constant tasks for me every day. I, they bill me about 1200 hours a week and I use Skype for, for day-to-day -day communication. I use Viber and WhatsApp for more emergency situations. I use email for stuff that just needs to be responded to within hours. Um, and then for, for organization, I use Trello. For developers, I use Jira or Jira. I never know which one is the correct pronunciation. Uh, but that, those are, that's really it. And you can run a very large remote team just by using free tools. Now, yep. there's plenty of other ones. Asana, you mentioned Airtable, which I actually just heard about um, for the first time um, from this influencer we work with. But yeah, I mean, I would, I would focus on is what, what do you like? If you like Slack, find people that can use Slack at a very high level. That's what's important. For me, if I hire someone and they're not good at Skype, that's going to be annoying. That's going to piss me off. That's going to make me less productive and the communication is going to go down. So focus on what you use. And again, when you're setting expectations, set those expectations up front. Yeah, I know. I use Skype for all my all my remote workers, and my whole thing is like I interview over Skype, so that way it's like it's a it's a no brainer. Like you can't even get the job if you're not, if you don't have Skype ready and you know re ready to go. Um, the other thing is uh, like you were saying, setting expectations. The other thing you want to do is set expectations on um, a bunch of other things like work hours, um, you know, holidays. Um, when, you know, like some of VAs, I would hire them and they're like, okay, I need you to work from, you know, because it's the Philippines, I think it's like, you know, 2 PM to 10 PM, uh, Pacific time. And I would like get on Skype and start trying to talk to them. And, and it was like radio silence. And I'm like, Hey, you have to be available during work hours. Like that's part of the deal. Right. Um, so you should also set expectations when it comes to collaboration, communication, uh, holidays, um, any type of you know, Hey, if you want a day off, like, you know, no problem. Ask me this many days in advance. Um, so all those kinds of things, you want to definitely have a plan for, um, all that stuff as well. I like that as 
including that as part of your like onboarding documents. So you could say, you know, yep. this is my, my PPC expectations, right? And, you know, you have that basic onboarding as the first like five pages of the, we do our communication via Skype. I expect you to be available during work hours, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, they read all of that and understand it. And then they get into their job specific stuff. So as like Nathan said, he has his very large document that they have to read through. It's that would be the same with any job. In fact, I would feel pretty lost if I got hired at a job and I've been hired at jobs before where I get there and they're just like, uh, I don't know, figure it out. And I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, do you have any expectations? How are you going to give me feedback if you haven't set any expectations for me? Um, and that just turns me off immediately because I like high performance. I like to take that task and make it even better for them. Um, so, you know, I think you have to know what motivates your employees, but again, set those expectations yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. And like Nathan said, you know, I, we like, um, you know, we like to do the, the daily accountability too, but what I found is because, you know, Skype having to check in on Skype, um, you know, for me at least doesn't work well because it takes up so much time. The reason why I really love Airtable and Nathan, you should definitely check it out is, um, it's very much like Excel and you know, who isn't used to using Excel. Uh, the other cool thing though, is you could put a date field. So like when I have tasks, like I make them, it says date completed. So I can literally just pull up their air, air table for that, that person and see like, okay, they completed this yesterday. Um, you could even, you can even add a timestamp. Like if you want them to put the actual time that they finished it, you can add that as well. Um, which is really, really cool. Um, so that's another expectation, of course, like, you know, if you're like, Hey, every day I want a daily, you know, a daily report of your tasks. And this is how I want you to report it to me, whether it's over Skype or the collaborations, you know, uh, software that you're using, et cetera. Um, definitely something else that, uh, that you guys want to think about. If you have questions, we're going to start going into that. I know Amy was, uh, got something else to say. I'm just reminding yeah. you, uh, yeah, drop your questions and we'll get to those as we, as we, uh, discuss. Something that I really took from this, I mean, I took tons of gold from this, Nathan, and I really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, just awesome. Um, but something that I really, that really stuck with me that you said was that it's not an employee, it's a client. And when I'm thinking about hiring a high level, for example, we keep saying PPC, but that is a really, it's a big pain point. It's a problem with a lot of my clients, you know, and it's, it's a hard thing that people really want to hire out. And, um, and the thing is, so when I have that expert, if I think of that expert as a client and I say, Hey, you know, why don't you explain the metrics that you've gone over, you know, and why you've made certain, you know, decisions with my PPC and give me a brief on it, explain that to me so that I can learn as well. Because I think if you communicate with them and you look at them as that expert, they should be able to explain, okay, here's my plan for optimizing your PPC. Here's the, the methods that I'm going to use. And then when they're done with that task, they should be able to say to you or, you know, put that in a report of, okay, this many keywords I raised the bid on for these reasons. You had this many impressions, you know, explaining exactly why they did something so that you can go back and read the brief. And, um, but then you're, you're actually understanding what they're doing and why. And I think like you were saying, Nathan, it's all about that skill, attitude, and communication. So when they have those three things, you know, set up and you're both using those three areas together, I think it can be, uh, I think I can do a better job of improving uh, that as well when I hire a higher level expert. 
Yeah. I'm going to send you over some good PPC people. I'd love your take on them too. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and that's, that's, uh, that's a fault that, that we have too. Um, you know, one of my clients recently was like, Hey, you know, are you going to like, you're going to teach me how to do this PPC, you know, now that I've hired you. And I'm like, uh, you know, I want to, but the, the, and I was like, Oh, that's you know, that takes a lot more time. So, you know, I'll have to figure that into my, into the pricing. Um, if we end up doing that, but then I was like, well, technically like our tool does logs, so I can send logs and stuff. But I think that, um, you know, my goal when I, when I take on clients is to, I like the idea of teaching them. I don't want them to be relying on anybody um, or at least have enough knowledge to be able to hire somebody and know if they're doing a good job or not. So I think that's a, a really good point and I'm glad that you, uh, you brought that up. So let's look, I think we got some more questions. Uh, Lou's asking, uh, is it feasible for a VA to do product research, something we need to continue to do ourselves? Not only is it a critical component, a component obviously, but it is so damn time consuming. Lou, I've got an answer for that, and then I'll let Nathan follow up with that. Um, for me personally, I have let um, VAs um, source for me, but the thing that you have to realize is, once again, you have to have a really tight uh, set of criteria unless they're an expert. If they're an expert, then sure, you know, if they've got a proven track record of you know, they could say, Hey, I've owned my Amazon business and here's a product. And I sold this much, like, you know, uh, somebody like Amy, who's got, you know, has a track record. Um, you know, then, then I, I would feel pretty confident to just say, Hey, go find me some good stuff. But if not, um, if you've got a way of doing it for yourself or your business, that's successful, then you're going to want to, you know, pass it along. Now the danger with that, and Nathan, I also, I also wanted to ask you about this because me personally, we have a lot of trade secrets and, and, and for me, I'm pretty like leaning about like the data I share and the stuff that I give access to and stuff like that, because, um, I'm a Tony Robbins fan and I'm like, the universe is going to take care of me. You know, I'm not going to worry about this. I have other crap to worry about. I have three kids under six years old that keep me up all night. <laughs> I'm like, I've got all this other stuff going on. I don't have time to worry. You know, I try to get worry out of my life because it's a useless thing, you know? So, um, do you have any, well, follow up first. Sorry, I, I kind of gave you two questions there. <laughs> so yeah. what, what do you think for product research, you know, outsourcing that and then also follow up with like, you know, keeping your, uh, your company secrets safe uh, with, you know, overseas VAs? Yeah. So we all want to get to a point in our business where we do nothing, right? We get an email every day with how much money we made and that's it. But a more realistic place that most of us are at is you got to figure out what is your core competency? What are you the best at? And you should be spending the most part of your time doing that. If you're the best at sourcing, that should be one of the last things you get off your plate. Hire really good listers, hire really good PPC people. I have clients who are great listings and they'll outsource their sourcing because they're so, so, and they can hire people that are way better. So for me, it's figure out what are you the best at? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Are you tech? Are, are you the best person at finding profitable products and try to surround yourself with talented people to complement that before you outsource the sourcing. Sourcing is one of those things that you, there's very rarely you're in that mid level. You're either don't know how to source and you're hiring an expert level to come in and create a process and do it at a higher level than you. Or like you said, you have a system that you've gotten to the point where it can just be followed and, and you can pass that off your plate. So that's kind of my mentality. Um, as for, for risk, which is again, probably one of the most common questions I get asked every day. This is my stance on risk. There's always going to be a risk. Even if you hire your, your best friend to sit right next to you, there's always a chance they do something stupid or jeopardize your business in some way. And there's nothing that I or anyone else can do to make that risk zero. 
With that said, I mean, speaking on the free up platform, we get thousands of applicants every week. Only the top 1% get in. It's hard to get in. Once they get in, they care a lot more about making sure you're happy and staying on the platform and getting more clients and providing for their family and growing their freelance business than they do about stealing or, or jeopardizing your information in any way. And I mean, there are things you can do like LastPass and NDAs, but are you really going to chase someone across the Philippines over an NDA? Probably not. And the number one way to, to really, really protect your business is to build the relationships, build the relationships with people that, that you work with. I mean, I've had people that I've fired who have quit on me and I didn't want to hurt them. They didn't want to hurt me. They didn't try to screw me over in some way. And that, that's kind of my mentality. If you build strong relationships with people, the rest kind of takes care of itself. Yeah. And, and so, um, go back to a little bit, like we talked about, like, you know, like when is it time to fire somebody? Like how, like how, what's your actual process in firing somebody? I mean, do you have, um, the, the book I'm currently um, listening to on audible, um, he talks about like how, um, you know, uh, one of his buddies had a, an example of how he was like, you know, the manager of a company. And, um, instead of firing somebody, he like actually like reached out to other people in the industry, you know, recognized that his skill set was really good, but not a fit for his company and actually helped that person get a new job. And he said that was like gold because it's, it made everybody else who worked for him know that, you know, that he had their back, like no matter what. Um, which I thought was really cool. Um, do you have any kind of like anything like that? Or like, how do you, you know, how do you offload people like the best way possible without upsetting them or pissing them off or, you know, <laughs> being like, you suck. <laughs> um, I'm kind of in a unique position because I, I own the platform and I I'm hired people to work from, I hire people from the platform to work for me. So if they're not good enough to work for me, if I have issues with their work, with their attitude, with their communication, I'm not going to say, hey, don't work for me, but go take other clients on my platform. I'll recommend them to you. That doesn't make a lot of sense. So normally if they can't work for me, that they're going to get removed from our platform. I've yet to have a situation where someone's just not the right skill set or something because, I mean, I spent a lot of time setting those expectations, figuring out who I want to hire. And I mean, if that did happen, I'd probably find another role for them or I I would just say, hey, like the project is complete, like go grab other clients, which I mean, not everyone is constant work. We have people that were reaching out to it and going to. I mean, for me, I, I always try to take the stance of just honesty and upfront and I, I talk fast, I get things out quick, I get to the point. And, and same thing when I'm talking to a client, if they've, if they've swore at a freelancer, I'm gonna go out and, and be like, hey man, like you can't do that, that's, that's not okay. If you do it again, I can't let you use our platform. Very similar on the freelancer I'll, I'll, or, or the VA, I'm gonna say, hey, like this isn't working, I'm gonna give warnings, I'm gonna be upfront, I'm gonna be honest, and be like, hey, I'm there to help and support you, but that can't happen again. And normally if someone's gonna get fired, they, they kind of know that because I've given them those warnings and we've had those conversations. I'm like, hey man, like en enough's enough. We, we've been through this before, it's not working out. I've, I blah, 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 we're done. And, and that's kind of how I handle it. Um, I, I've seen clients that have done it in a very bad way where they'll, uh, they'll slowly remove all their access. They won't really talk to them for like a week or two. And the person's kind of left in limbo. And then they'll say, Oh, by the way, Nate, can you let them know we don't need them anymore? And, which I'll do, but that's not how I would necessarily approach it. Cool. All right. Good advice. Um, Amy, did you have any more uh, questions for Nathan or anybody else in the, uh, in yeah, the, uh, chat. just one. So I did hire someone on the free up platform for, you know, just a few projects and, um, and I guess I did a bad job of offloading them because I did just, 
not really talk to them anymore. And, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm too busy to deal with this. So I had them do like two projects for me. And, um, and let me just say that I think you guys do a really great job of communicating with those people who use your platform. So I believe I got a few emails from you, Nathan, in the very beginning and said, Hey, you know, is everything working all of that? And you guys did a, you do a really great job of setting us up for success. But this particular person that I hired, they kept billing me for hours in the beginning. I set expectations. I said, okay, how long does it take you to write a listing? For example. And this person said, okay, the most it takes me is two hours. So I had them do two listings for me, which they were late on both of them. And, uh, and I, very beginning, I sent them my template, everything. I said, okay, I need this back within three day turnaround. Are you okay with that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. They were late on both of the listings and it was me having to kind of cue them again. And they were a mid level. So I would expect, you know, a little bit more of a, a better performance. Right. Um, but Ultimately, you know, I just, they were billing me also on the free up platform. They were billing me for more hours than they told me a listing took them. And so here I am. And the way, the way free up does it is they kind of like bill you afterwards, right? Like they mark the hours that they worked and then you get the bill like afterwards. So I had to go back through all my communications and go, okay, wait a second. She only did two listings for me. This really didn't, it doesn't add up. And she billed me for like six hours. And then I'm sitting here communicating with her going, wait, but you said it only takes you two hours. Like what's the, so anyway, how do you handle, how do you recommend that potential clients that are using FreeUp? Uh, she did a good job on these listings, by the way. I just want to tell you that. It's not like she did a bad job. It's just, she was bad at the communication part and bad at, you know, meeting my expectations. Um, so, you know, what do you recommend in a situation like that? Yeah. So we try to, and I don't know what year that was, obviously. Our yeah, it was a long has, time ago. <laughs> our, our, our software has come a long way, but in, in, in the software, you can set weekly limits. So if you agree to two hours a, li a listing, you can set a limit for the hours a week. Um, you can pause and unpause them. So when you're done using them, they can't accidentally bill you. I mean, obviously mistakes can happen. So the pause kind of prevents that and you can unpause them and, and all that. Um, our billing periods are Wednesday to Tuesday. We charge you on Thursday. You have a full week to dispute any invoice before we pay them the next Thursday. So if something, obviously we're not involved in every project for all, you know, you could have given him permission to work 50 hours and we wouldn't right. know. We, we rely on the client to, to set the limit, to pause and to let us know during that one week period, if there's any issues and, and, and knowing my team, if you had reported it, we would have gotten involved and made sure that you only yes. for the hours that, that were approved in writing. And we, we let the freelancers know, like, if you don't get approval in writing and the client disputes it, they win. That's, that's pretty much the bottom line. So if you build a great relationship with the client and you don't think you should have approval in writing, like you're doing that at your own risk. So from your side, you would have said, Hey, I proved two hours. I got billed for six. We would have immediately refunded you the other four and probably given you credit. And I'm still, I'll still give you credit um, towards a, a replacement. Um, but that's really how it works. And 99% of the time, they do a great job. I mean, my calendar is right on the website. My phone number and Skype are on the website. My phone doesn't blow up all the time with, with issues. Um, but there's always going to be that 1% where they're real people, stuff happens, and, and all we can do is jump in and make sure that both sides are, are happy at the end of the day.
So I just want to say you guys did a really great job of communicating from the very beginning. This was well over a year ago, you know, and like I said, this person did good work and maybe I didn't set expectations enough, but I thought the platform was easy to use. It's just, I was so busy at scaling my business at the time. I didn't really have time to go back and deal with this and file a dispute and all of that. So thank you for your feedback in that. And, um, and it sounds like a lot of the things that were my concerns before um, cause I don't believe I could have paused at that time. I think I approved like up to eight hours, you know, because two hours of listing, three listings, whatever. Right. Um, but either way, like, I don't even remember the details. I was just looking for your feedback on that. Um, and so what I should have done is actually taken the time to follow back up with you guys because you would have made it right, you know, and you did follow up with me and go, Hey, what's going on? Like you haven't talked to this freelancer in a while. Is everything okay? So I love the way you guys communicate. I just thought, um, I'd bring that up and say, okay, you know, cause it's made me a little nervous about hiring another VA, right? I'm like, oh man, I don't want to go through that again. You know, I put a lot of time and effort into that. Um, so yeah, I, I appreciate the feedback and I'll definitely use that in the future. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for, from our, from our stance, whenever a new situation comes up, we try to put steps in place to prevent that situation from happening again. So that's why a lot of those features came up, but um, yeah, hopefully that was helpful. And yeah, if you ever want to talk after this or if you need anything, I'm there. So definitely appreciate it. Yeah. I definitely know that Nathan's kind of like me where he's, he's constantly online. I, I ping him all the time. You know, we've talked to each other like all random times cause he's on, he's on his devices probably as much as I am. So I definitely know that uh, at least on the communication side, he's going to be really solid. Um, so tell us more about FreeUp. Kind of uh, give us a quick overview on like how it works, how it can help people, um, <clears throat> you know, all that good stuff. Anything else you want to mention? Um, I know, I think I saw that, are you guys doing uh, more managed stuff now, um, like agency style? Oh, uh, no. Well, so we're not, we're not an agency. We don't manage it. We have agencies on our platform. So Okay, gotcha more we've kind of always had it it's more of just a rebranding thing i mean we're a marketplace for pre-vetted virtual assistants freelancers and agencies we get thousands of applicants every week from all over the world all different levels skill sets um the top one percent get in based on skill attitude and communication like we talked about before um once they're in you put in a request we fill it within a business day usually faster on the back end we have 24 7 support to make sure you have a good experience my calendar is right on the website. I'm pretty easy to contact, as you said. Um, but I also have a team of people that monitor my Skype, email, live chat 24-7. So if I'm on a webinar with you, there's always someone there. And um, lastly, we have that no turnover guarantee, where if someone does quit, we cover replacement costs, get you a new person right away. Rarely happens, but it's real life. It's there. And um, yeah, it's free to sign up. There's no monthly fee, no minimums, no obligations. You can stop using us at any time. It's in our best interest to Make sure you get people you like that you're actually happy with. And if you mention this webinar, you get a free $25 credit to try us out and feel free to book a time with me if anyone wants to talk to me after this. Sweet. All right. Uh, awesome. Thanks, David. Um, a, a quick few things to mention. Um, we finally got our act together for the podcast. Um, so that should hopefully go live uh, either this week or next week. I know that I think uh, iTunes has some kind of review period. So um, I'm going to get it up this week. Um, so you guys will be able to consume this, uh, over audio. I know that lots of people have been asking for that and it was just getting all the, the parts together. As you know, it, it's, it's not so easy. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we're, we're gonna, we're gonna keep pushing all this content out for you guys and, and, be, you know, let you guys be able to, to, um, to, you know, not only join us live, but also listen. Um, but remember to join us live because we're going to do like the bonus innings, like we always do, uh, where, where Amy bows out for dinner and I, I stand here and, uh, uh, I'm standing today, actually. Usually I sit here, stand here, and, and uh, field just general Amazon questions. 
Um, and then uh, also some other things. Uh, I'm going to try to mention what's going on next week because we're getting that more, you know, more planned out now. Um, so uh, next week we are going to have uh, Kevin King. I'm not sure on the topic yet. Um, I will get back to you on that um, either in the uh, Titans group or Amy's group, uh, the Amazing at Home group. Um, Nathan, did you want to mention your group? Because I know it's based on freelancing if people want to learn more about that. Yeah, Outsourcing Masters. If anyone wants to join on Facebook, we just post a lot of content about hiring and scaling your business. Yeah, yeah. I've seen some cool stuff there. Um, yep. And then the week after that, we're going to have uh, Deanna, I hope, hope I don't butcher, butcher her name here, Balestra. Balestra? Amy, am I saying that right? Balestra, <laughs> yeah. Balestra. And she's going she's gonna to talk about um, social media, media management and growth. Uh, generally or mo most focused on uh, Pinterest and Instagram. I know I've been getting way more into Pinterest and I uh, definitely see that there's some huge, uh, huge potential there for Amazon businesses. So that, that'll be really cool too. Um, last but not least, once this is live on podcast form, make sure that you, uh, that you subscribe and uh, you know, drop a comment or a review that we'd really appreciate that. Um, last but not least, um, we post these all, Amy posted in her group, I posted in my group. Um, and then we're also, once the website's live, uh, we'll, we'll be able to post, we'll have all the video, all the audio, um, because I do, uh, because we do after the fact, like clips of like each kind of segment. So, you know, if there's something that Nathan talked about, like on this session, that was, you know, that a subtopic, we usually cut those up and on the website, it'll be kind of organized by episode and you'll go in and be able to go in and look at each episode and, and kind of pick and choose what you want to, what you want to watch. It'll be really cool. And, uh, we're, we're pretty excited about that. So. Thank and, you all for joining us. Yeah. And Nathan, there's so many positive feedbacks. Everybody's saying thank you. Your information was just wonderful. And I learned a ton from your information today. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Nathan. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the invite. Um, yeah, if I can help anyone in any way, either hiring or outside of the whole hiring thing, I'm pretty easy to contact. So, so let me know. And yeah, I look forward to working with you guys going forward. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks again. And as you know, uh, Amy's going to bow out usually for, for dinner time. Enjoy your dinner, Amy. Uh, Nathan, I usually hang for like 15 minutes, 20 minutes afterwards. You're welcome to join me or bow out. It's up to you. And usually just feel general questions. Sometimes it's just crickets and uh, everybody bounces and, and it's, I'm here by myself. But uh, usually we, we get some decent stuff after the fact. Um, and uh, yeah. I'm going to make an instant pot chicken burrito bowl. Booyah. <laughs> no. I'll see you guys later. Have a great one. Bye. Yeah, if anyone has any hiring questions, I'll, I'll stick around for those. But if not, I, I'm probably going to head out. All right. I, I don't see any questions. Hey, guys, we're going to give you 15 seconds to post a question uh, besides the recipe <laughs> for, for Amy's dinner. Um, if anybody has any more, um, any, any more hiring questions, drop them, uh, drop them now. If not, Nathan, it was a pleasure. Thanks again. Uh, good seeing you. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep in touch. <laughs> Talk soon. Take Bye. care, man. All right, guys. So that was, uh, that was great. Uh, I even I learned part of the reason I love doing this is even, you know, <clears throat> when we have guests, it's, you know, I'm learning too every day. So I really enjoy that. Um, have you seen the app? Why is my listing or offer not displaying on Amazon? I, is that two separate questions? <laughs> Trudy, I'm kind of confused. Have you seen the app? Why is my listing or offer not displaying on Amazon? Is that like a new like troubleshooting thing that like on Seller Central? Oh yeah, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so in the in the in the help section, yeah, there's a there's an option that says why isn't my listing you know displayed on Amazon? And you put the ASIN in and you hit search, and then it, it'll say you know your listing is blocked because of this, or it'll say all is good. 
Um, yes, I have seen it. Is there, is there any like follow-up question on if it works or how it works or anything like that? Um, it generally works. Um, <clears throat> uh, usually, um, it'll, it'll tell you, um, there are some instances that I've run into where it doesn't. Um, so usually I give it, and usually I think even on, on when you do it, it says like, we'll know within an hour if the changes are, are going to, or if there's anything going on. Um, the other option is I think after you say like, after it does its thing, you can also say, uh, you know, still contact Amazon. So you can go ahead and do that. Um, hopefully that answers your question, but I, it has worked for me before. It'll give me the reason like, you know, like your FBA thing is not, your FBA is out of stock or you know, there's a problem with your listing or, you know, whatever it is, they usually will, will let me know. All right. Anybody else? So yeah, like we were saying next week, we're gonna have Kevin King. I'm not sure on the topic yet. I'll, I'll follow up with him and, uh, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get back to you guys in the groups. Um, is there any chance that uh, some stage you guys could get freight forwarding and 3PL expert on? That's a great idea. Um, let me write that in our schedule here. Cause I know that is a, always a huge uh, problem or question like where to find freight forwarders, which ones to trust, how much should it cost? Um, all those kind of fun things. So yeah, we'll, uh, <clears throat> we'll see if we can get somebody that uh, um, maybe like somebody from like freight OS or something like that. I'll, I'll reach out and see if I can get somebody um, from one of those kind of larger reputable companies um, to, to give us some, some data on back. Um, can I create two separate listings and later can I add one listing ASIN to the other listing? I think you're talking, um, Harsha, are you talking about like parent child items? You can, um, you can, uh, yes, you can, you can add, so you can actually do a bunch of different things. You can start out with a single uh, item with no parent um, at all and then add a parent and, and additional children. If you've already got a parent and like one child, you can add additional uh, child items. So yeah, you can, you can do it either way. Um, you can add them after the fact. And they've actually made it a lot easier. You can actually do it um, on Amazon now before you can only do it by the Excel uh, bulk spreadsheets. So, All right. Yeah, no problem. Anybody else want to jump in and ask any questions? Feel free. Can I send you a decoration for that wall behind you? <laughs> um, sure. The problem, the, 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 um, yeah. So the, the funny story with my office. So um, I, when I got this office, it was going to, it was going to be a, a permanent uh, spot, but uh, my wife and I are now thinking about uh, selling our house and moving to the other side of the County here. Um, currently we have about, uh, like 11 and a half acres. Um, and it just, we, my wife just started her real estate business. So we kind of feel like that's too much, too much house, too much property for us right now. So we, we want to move to a, a smaller plot of land, maybe like a couple acres um, out on the west side. And so we may be moving, so I might be getting a new office. Um, yes, I'm on the west coast. I'm in a town called Santa Rosa, which is a wine country. It's about an hour and about an hour north um, on Highway 101 uh, from, uh, from San Francisco. So yeah, it's, it's very nice up here, extremely expensive though. So that's, that, that's part of the problem. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not a huge wine fan. I like beer, so and I don't even drink that much anymore. <laughs> so it doesn't do me as good as I would, uh, I, would, I would hope. All right, everyone. Well, it looks like the questions are done. So I'm going to 
I'm going to bow out. Thank you guys so much for, uh, for attending. You know, we do this every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, like I said, next week is going to be Kevin King, and then we're going to do um, Deanna uh, the week after. And then, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep having these all out. Um, we'll let everybody know when um, – we'll let everybody know when uh, when the next one's uh, – you know, when we uh, post the podcast. Uh, Trudy, that's awesome. Yeah, my wife's uh, from San Carlos, so so I know I've been to Redwood City and that whole area a bunch. Um, but uh, anyway, all right, guys, thank you again. Um, happy Tuesday, and uh, and uh, take some of the stuff that you learned today. I know a lot of you guys. I, I know I was this way when I first started out, like super afraid to hire a VA. It's just like anything, you know, just just jump in and get your feet wet. Um, even if you're going for somebody low cost, give it a try. You know, give it uh, try to offload some stuff and see how it works. I mean, just imagine. If you're able to offload stuff from your plate and grow your business when you're not even, you know, the, the, some of the coolest things I like is, you know, I, most of my VAs are on the other side of the world. So, <clears throat> and even some of my developers. So I get to go to sleep at night and wake up in the morning and then look at their logs and see what they did for the day and be like, wow, you know, like all this stuff got done while I was sleeping. So that's pretty, uh, pretty awesome. All right, guys, take care. We'll see you next week. And uh, thanks again. Later. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at SellerRoundTable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, SellerSEO.com and AmazingAtHome.com.